Before we begin, this podcast talks about mental health and well-being, so take care while listening. While we hope you enjoy listening to and learning from the podcast, the discussions we have are general in nature and do not take into account your own or your workplace-specific needs and circumstances. Therefore, it's not meant to take the place of specialised advice. Hello, welcome to the Workplace Wellbeing Natters podcast, the podcast that talks about wellbeing that works for the health and community services sector. Join us on this episode as we talk about how you can boost your energy by knowing and using your strengths at work. Enhance your wellbeing, be your best at work and make your greatest contribution to your team. So this is really about how we make our strengths work for us. So hello, we're your hosts, Linda and Danielle. We would like to acknowledge that we are recording this podcast on the land of the Gunai Kurnai people and pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging. We would also like to acknowledge the demand for services currently being experienced by the sector and that this impacts everyone in different ways, including contributing to poor mental health and wellbeing outcomes. So we encourage you to be compassionate to yourself and to others. Danielle, do you have things that you need to do for work that the mere thought of them just saps your energy? Yes, Linda, I do. For me, the thing that immediately kind of comes to mind is presenting in front of others. While I've kind of gotten good at it, the mere thought of it the last time that I had to do it made me feel sick in the stomach. Uh, What about you, Linda? Uh, Yep, too right. For me, it's anything to do with finances. So anything finances, accounting, or marketing or promotion. So having to put myself out there, the thought of it just literally feels like my brain freezes and I'm sure my eyes glaze over and I just want to have a cup of tea and a good lie down. There are other things though that I actually get really excited and energized thinking about. So for me, it is presenting, being in front of people, I find really energizing, you know, creating new workshops, pulling research together. You know, they're the sorts of things that challenge me in just the right ways. Oh, that's that's great, Linda. I'm the I was gonna say the complete opposite. No, I've learnt to I've learnt to love presenting. Um, and I feel I've gotten good at it, but it also still, even now to this day, still brings up that uh, kind of feeling. But you know, one way to feel more energized is to use your strengths more. So using our strengths can boost our well being. It helps us to be our best at work and to make our greatest contribution to our team organisation and the people we support. And the good thing is that strengths-based approaches are really familiar to us. You know, there's already stuff we know about strengths. They underpin our work from strengths-based nursing, strengths models of recovery-oriented practice, you know, person-centred practices, as well as wellness and reablement within the community aged care. Really, just to name a few, they're all underpinned by that strengths-based approach. And while we might call them by different names, these approaches all share a focus on the strengths and resources of the person being supported and include the fundamental principles of self-determination, social justice, collaborative partnerships and transparency. And yet, if you like many of the working population, in fact, more than eight out of 10 of us, you don't actually play to your strengths most of the time at work. So the research tells us that only about 17%, so even if we round it up to say two out of 10 people, do. And I don't know about you, but when I first heard that, I was really surprised by that, that the number's so low. 
I'm, I'm both surprised and not surprised at the same time. But I have to say it has been reflected in most of the people and teams that I've worked with in the past. And some people um, I found even really, and myself included, for a really long time even struggled to identify what their strengths are. So what do we mean by strengths and how do they give us energy? So when we talk about strengths, we mean psychological strengths or characteristics. Yeah. And Danielle, I think you've raised a really good question there because in workshops, I often ask the people the question, you know, how would you define a strength? So for our listeners, I'd invite you to consider the same, you know, how do you define a strength? What would you say a strength is? The most common answer I get is something you're good at. So something you're good at, something you do well. And this is true, right? Yeah, right. And it might be that you're great at helping people feel at ease or working with people with high support needs, writing case notes. That's something I'm not good at. (laughs) Identifying the right service for a client and knowing the referral pathways, keeping track of new services that are coming online or a specific aspect of a nursing role like drawing blood, for example. Mm. But defining a strength as something you're good at is really only part of the answer because if you think about it, there are probably things that you are good at that you might not enjoy or you come away from them just kind of feeling really drained and exhausted, like unreasonably so, not because of the energy that it took to do the task, but really because of how it made you feel. So while a strength is often something that we're good at, it's also something that we find energizing. So something that we look forward to, there's a sense of positive anticipation, something that challenges you in just the right way, you know, that you get absorbed when you're doing it. So you're focused or in flow and it's something that leaves you feeling energized, feeling good, you know, not just because you've completed it. It's more than a sense of achievement or, you know, one more thing that you can tick off your to-do or your to-da list or even relief that it's over, but it gives you that sense of fulfillment and energy. So the essence then of a strength is that you are good at it, you have some natural talent or ability for it, and it comes easily to you, but you also enjoy it and find it energising. Yeah, right. And I think that this is a really important distinction because as we've already mentioned, there are probably activities that you are good at that you don't enjoy doing. So it's likely that you procrastinate on those things. You know, they're the ones that always get relegated to the bottom of your to-do list or, you know, you do everything else But I knew one person who said, oh, when I have a uni assignment due, my fridge is never as clean, you know, because they do everything else, including cleaning the fridge, as opposed to doing that assignment. So they're the things that you put off. And when you do get around to doing them, you just feel drained and exhausted. So even though you might be really good at them and other people might recognize that as well, you wouldn't want to do them all the time because Otherwise, you just kind of feel chronically exhausted. Yeah, and that's really interesting in teams because in your team, you might be the go-to person for a particular activity, for a task, yet you might hate it. So we shouldn't assume just because someone is good at a task or an activity that it is a strength. It might be a learned behavior, something they are good at but find de-energizing. And it leads us to a really critical question. Who then is best placed to identify a person's strength? Is it your teammates, your manager, the people you support? I think it's actually the person themselves. 
100% Linda, it is the person themselves because they're the only one who knows how the activity or task makes them feel, whether that's energizing or draining for them. And this is where job crafting comes in, which we've spoke about in our last episode. Proactively shaping your role in terms of the tasks you do, how you relate to others, or your beliefs about your role. And so shaping your role away from tasks that de-energize you and towards those that energize you. And so negotiating that with other team members and your manager can be a great start to job crafting. I agree. And, you know, that's not to say that you can't spot a strength in others, though, either. It's really about what you're looking for and what you notice in them. So it's not just the activities they do well. It's also the things that really light them up. So when they talk about those particular tasks or activity, you might notice them speaking faster or you might see their eyes lighting up and you can really kind of see their enjoyment just shining through. And of course, it's also about having then the conversation with them. So I notice when you talk about XYZ, you seem really passionate. You know, it sounds like this is something you really enjoy doing. It's one of my favorite kind of conversations to have, Linda, is um, strength spotting and then talking to people about it and and seeing their reaction, seeing the kind of change in their body language and, and their facial reactions when they're talking about doing something that they love. If you're not sure what your strengths are, there are some tools that can help people identify these. Yeah, the strengths profile. It defines a strength as something you're good at and something that energises you. So what you can do as well as what you love to do. And the framework's often used in the workplace context. So for things like recruiting or, you know, informing our career choices, if we're not sure where to go to next. Uh, We can also use it in team and leadership development as well. And it's based on research into kind of common activities. The framework has 60 strengths that are grouped into what they call five strength families. The strengths families are being. So some of the being type strengths are authenticity or gratitude, humility, or being of service to others. Communicating is the second strengths family. So that includes things like listening, explainer, which is the ability to really explain in, you know, layman's terms, some concepts and those sorts of things, as well as narrator. So that's around storytelling. Our third strength family is motivating. So this is really action-oriented strength. So action, being able to bounce back, being a change agent are included in the motivating strengths family. Number four is the relating strengths family. So these are things like compassion, being able to show compassion towards others, being a connector. So identifying people and facilitating relationships between them, as well as rapport builder. So that ability to get to know people and develop a rapport easily. So the fifth and remaining strength family is thinking. This includes strengths like creativity, being able to optimize time, and also strategic awareness. So having that broader kind of awareness of what's going on in the workplace and uh, in relation to things like policy development and that sort of thing as well. Just to recap on those, uh, those five strengths families being, communicating, motivating, relating and thinking. 
and the Strengths Profile has an online quiz which you can complete a free profile for, which will give you an overview of your signature or realised strengths. Yeah, and the Strengths Profile does have a free quiz that you can do as well, which I think is great because it's accessible for everyone. And I really like that it has four different quadrants or terms for strengths. So it has your realised strengths. So they're the things that you're good at, you enjoy doing and you do often. It also has your unrealised strengths. So again, they're things that you do well, you enjoy, but this is where you have some opportunity to perhaps use them more in your work role because they're unrealised. They're not ones that you tend to use a lot. It also identifies learned behaviours. So these are the things that we're really good at, but we actually find de-energising. So we don't want to do them too often. And then the last quadrant is around weaknesses. So things we're not good at and we don't enjoy. And of course, we don't want to do too many of those. So, you know, it's really interesting because sometimes I hear people say that they don't want to ask a team member to do specific tasks because they don't want to burden them. If it's a task that I, for example, find de-energising, Danielle, I wouldn't want to put that onto you, for instance. So it's kind of like assuming that the things that de-energise me also de-energise you or, you know, my other teammates, whereas that might be actually the very thing that energises them. So we tend to make assumptions about others based on our own likes and dislikes, not theirs, which is really kind of being a bit self-centric. So we're, we're taught the golden rule, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. But there's also the platinum rule, which you taught me about, Linda, do unto others as they would have done unto them. Treat others the way they want to be treated. In, in a previous role that I was working in, in a, in a central office type of role, I used to work a lot with Word documents and I found formatting them really kind of calming. Uh, it was actually something that I really enjoyed doing and nobody else in the office, everyone else would often kind of complain about it. And I'd be like, well, send it to me. Um, I really enjoy formatting it. But then I became the go-to person for doing it and slowly lost the will to format documents anymore. It's something that was a strength that I found really energizing, but then I became the go-to person for it and it became you know, less enjoyable for me, an extra thing for me to do. So I think there's a good balance there as well between doing something that you enjoy um, I was going to say keep it a secret, but that's not the way to go either. <laughs> so I think that you raise a really interesting point because it is about balance, right? So even with our strengths, we're looking for balance. We know that strengths can be overdone. And I think your example is a really great example of that. You know, if we talk about the strengths profile framework, then if we overdo a strength, it can become a learned behavior. So we're still good at it, but we don't enjoy doing it anymore because we've over played it, right? We also know that strengths can be underdone too. So it's really important to know when to dial them up and when to ease off so that you don't get to that stage of kind of learned behaviour around them where they lose their shine. Exactly, Linda. I think we were talking about an example earlier around honesty. How honesty can be a really good strength, but sometimes being very direct or blunt in your honesty can be really harmful for other people as well. So, you know, honesty overplayed, maybe saying everything that you think 
which isn't always necessary or very kind. So it's about using those strengths in balance. Yeah, I agree. It can be really toxic. And even if we look at some of the examples that were used in relation to the strengths family, so communicating the strength of explainer is a really great strength to have. But during times of stress, we tend to, you know, go to our strengths more because that's where we get our energy from. And that means we can overdo them. And as you mentioned, it can have a detrimental effect. So if we're overplaying our strengths of explainer, then it could feel like we're just, you know, telling people what to do or micromanaging or, you know, so that can then have a detrimental effect on our relationships and the communications. Another example might be empathy. So, you know, empathy overdone can lead to feelings of empathy fatigue or burnout. And yet underdone, it can look like being impervious or uncaring. So it's really about that balance. So we might be then thinking about how can you put your strengths to work? How can we find this balance? How can we have more energy in the tank at the end of a shift? And I think first up, uh, it's about reflecting on what you want to achieve and what outcome are you looking for? I agree. And I think if you're looking to make career choices or, you know, have more energy and do better at work or how you might work better as a team, then I think the strengths profile really has some value here. You know, when I'm working with a team, I use the strengths profile because the strengths categories tend to line up with the workplace. So they're tasks or qualities that we would see as being helpful with in a workplace context. I really like that it does take into account how often you use your strengths. And again, so that's around putting them into that realised strength or unrealised strengths category. And I also like that it distinguishes kind of the learned behaviours from the weaknesses. So it gives you lots of information to work with in terms of your job role and also looking at how you can interact with your other team members as well. And as I mentioned before, it does have a free introductory profile, you know, that you can do at no cost. And of course, we'll, you know, pop the details for that in the show notes as well. It was a little while ago now when I was applying for a job and, you know, they ask you to, what are your strengths and what are your weaknesses? I actually sent them my strength profile along with my application, which was a little daunting <laughs> to have my, what, what were my weaknesses on there? But I thought what a great way for them to see, you know, what are my identified strengths and what are the things that I'm good at? Yeah, I think that's great, Danielle. And I think then making the links between the position description, so the tasks that are required of the role and your strengths. So making it really kind of obvious about how your strengths match up with the requirements of the role, I think can be um, really helpful as well, both for you in terms of looking at how energising will the role be for you, but also for the interview panel and the potential employer as well. And if you're already in the job, you can look at these and maybe use it as a way to do that job crafting, you know, thinking about what's going to boost your energy, what's going to boost your engagement at work and, you know, using a strength profile or thinking about strengths to kind of kick off that conversation with your leader. Yeah, absolutely. Getting really detailed with your strengths and knowing how you employ those strengths in the workplace is important because you might say that you communicate well or, you know, that you're a people person, but that could actually mean anything 
training. So, you know, you and your team mates, your employer, they need to know which people or what you're doing with them. You know, are you redirecting a confused older person? Are you calming a highly anxious teen? Are you soothing a traumatised patient in the ED? Are you delivering corrective feedback to a new graduate or liaising with the intake worker at a nearby service to triage a person? All of those tasks require people skills, right? And yet they're very, very different. And again, I think that's where the applicability of the strengths profile comes in because it gives you that more kind of nuanced look at, you know, what are the elements um, that really energize you? Or well, once you get detailed with your strengths and, and start that discussion with your coworkers about, you know, what lights them up at work too, we can look for opportunities to collectively job craft together. And so this might include a reshuffling of tasks or priorities in line with each team member's strengths, passions and interests, you know, that that fit within what the team is required to do. And, you know, bear in mind that someone has to do the dishes. Uh, In almost every community service I've worked in, there seems to be dishes left unwashed in the sink and it often falls to one or two people to clean up. And usually the admin people in my experience, thank you very much for that. But there's always a task or an activity in your team remit that no one wants to do. So we need to identify ways to ensure it gets done. It doesn't fall to just one person. So it's about rotating responsibility and having a rotating roster or something like that, for example. Uh, I agree. And, you know, inevitably, there may still be required elements of the role that you find draining, right? So what can you do then? So the objective is not to eliminate all the tasks you find draining or you don't particularly have a passion for. You know, the research shows that even if you spend 10% more time on your strengths, then you and your workmates will benefit. If you're working full time, let's round it up to, you know, 40 hour week, even just doing four hours of work that involves your strengths is going to create a benefit for you. So, you know, you can put in place some strategies to minimize the negative impact of, you know, the weaknesses. So you might consider something like a strength sandwich. So doing a task that uses your strengths and leaves you feeling energized and then kind of sandwiching in an activity that's potentially draining and then finishing off with a task again that uses your strengths. So you still come out feeling energized and you're really minimizing that sense of kind of being de-energized or demotivated from the activity that leaves you feeling a little drained. And we can also integrate these strengths and and job crafting discussions into team meetings, into supervision meetings and performance management processes. And so we don't need to get caught up thinking that you can get great at your weaknesses. The research shows that whilst you can improve on your weaknesses, you will never be great at them and any gains you make will be hard won. And, you know, let's face it, we can't all be great at everything. And so it's much better to use your time and resources to hone your strengths. Oh, I agree. And we do consult and coach on the strengths profile. So if you are seeking more than kind of the basic introductory profile or you want to look at them a little further in terms of how to embed kind of the learnings, you know, please get in touch. And and that kind of leads us to, so why would we bother with our strengths, Danielle? I think we've touched on that a little bit already in that there's so many great benefits, but this is really supported by a lot of research that indicates that using your strengths can lead to enhanced well-being as well as improved productivity and engagement and better responses for clients or customers being more satisfied with the services that you deliver. So using our strengths more can lead to feeling like we have increased energy, we feel authentic, 
we feel like we have better relationships and we can set and achieve goals and we might be able to express positive emotions more. We might feel like we're less stressed and we might feel like we can bounce back better from our difficulties. And so in a workplace, the benefits are high performance, productivity, less turnover of staff, increased engagement and customer satisfaction, and just the general health and well-being of your staff as well. Um, seeing improvements, you know, for the people who work in your team. And so there are many, many compelling reasons for us to each know and use our strengths more. As usual, we have packed a lot into this episode. So let's do a quick recap of our natterings. So firstly, we talked about a definition of a strength, which includes energy, how the activity makes you feel, not just what you are good at. We looked at the strengths profile as one model for exploring and identifying your strengths and some practical strategies for amping up your strengths use and the benefits of using your strengths, so benefits to ourselves, our workplace, as well as the people we work with and for. As usual, we will have links and resources in the show notes. We've so loved connecting with you and sharing our insights into the strengths profile and how you can boost your energy and also passion at work by using your strengths. We want to know what you think, have been inspired by, questions you would like answered or contributions you'd like to make to the podcast. So leave a review or contact us via matters at workplacewellbeingnatters.com.au. If you would like to explore how we can help you on your journey, submit a case study or comment for us to include in our podcast. We look forward to next time. Thanks for joining us. Bye for now. Bye for now.